Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at current events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now. This episode of All Things is brought to you by Crossway, publisher of the new book, Authority, How Godly Rule Protects the Vulnerable, Strengthens Communities, and Promotes Human Flourishing by Jonathan Lehman. In every position of power, from executives and world leaders to church elders and parents, lies the potential for life-giving leadership or destructive corruption. Driven by sinful pride or opportunism, many people abuse their God-given authority, harming the ones they're called to lead and contributing to a skeptical attitude toward leadership. The answer to bad authority, however, is not no authority, but good authority, the kind that, according to scripture, causes those under it to flourish. In this compelling book, Jonathan Lehman shows that authority, done biblically, is not only good, but is essential to human flourishing. Through scripture and many firsthand stories, he presents five attributes of positive authority and warns against sinfulness that corrupts leadership. Pointing to Jesus as the ultimate model of good authority, Lehman equips readers to pursue godly influence in their personal and professional lives. Pick up a copy of Authority wherever books are sold or visit crossway.org forward slash plus and get 30% off with your Crossway Plus account. On today's episode of All Things, you're going to be hearing from Jonathan Lehman. He has some really thought-provoking things to say about authority, which, as we say in our conversation, is everywhere. I just took a quick look at today's headlines, and we've got stories on there. I just looked at some of the major news outlets. I saw stories about authorities amongst our auto workers and the screenwriters and their various unions, um, authorities in our Congress who may or may not cause a government shutdown. Um, I saw articles questioning the authority of the FBI and the CIA as being qualified or not. Um, Headlines about the Ukraine and global authorities, what they should be doing there. Of course, heated school board meetings debating whether or not parents or school districts have more authority over the children there. So it seems like our respect for authority passes or diminishes, it decreases with every year. I would say that especially over the past several years, our reverence for authority has really taken a hit. You know, if you just think about since 2020, we had those protests and riots. Uh, We don't trust our authorities in the government. We don't trust the CDC. We don't trust the police. We don't trust election results. All of these areas relate to the abuse of power and the abuse of authority. And then, of course, even in the church, there's the hashtag Church2 movement and various scandals of abuse in various denominations are coming to light. So there's an increasing distrust for pastors and religious leaders. We don't trust our schools, our teachers, our librarians to teach our kids along the lines of our own deeply held morals and convictions. And I think that's liberals and conservatives alike, right? None of us trust those who are over our kids, usually for different reasons, but there is a lack of trust for those authorities. There's not a ton we can agree on as Americans, but I think we're pretty unified when it comes to our low view of those who hold authority over us. Um, And this is not just a hunch or a gut feeling, as I love to do. I dug into some of the data. I wanted to see what the research has to say about this. So here's some interesting points I wanted to share with you. 65% of Americans say most political candidates run for office to serve their own personal interests. 
20% of Americans say they trust the government in Washington to do the right thing almost always or most of the time. So that's just one in five of Americans are pretty trusting of the government. Only 8% of us describe the government as being responsive to the needs of ordinary Americans. So we all tend to think the government is largely out of touch with what we need from them. 54% of us, so over half of us, believe the federal government is too powerful. And then one in four workers don't trust their employer. So a quarter of us don't trust the bosses that we're working for. So what can be done is the question, because authority is not going away. And bad authorities do, in fact, need to be held accountable. Good authority needs to be identified and it needs to be cultivated. So I hope you will benefit from this conversation. I think you will. It's super interesting. I really appreciate what Jonathan Lehman brings to the conversation because wherever you are and whatever you do, authority affects you deeply and those around you. So I think this conversation is going to help get us started as we think about good and godly authority, what it is and what it isn't. Thanks for listening. Welcome to All Things Everybody. So good to have you. I have today with me Jonathan Lehman. And Jonathan is the editorial director for Nine Marks. And for those of you who may not know, Nine Marks is a ministry that's committed to helping pastors and church members and church leaders cultivate a healthy and biblical church. Um, Jonathan's also the co-host of the Pastors Talk podcast. He's the author and editor of over a dozen books and teaches at several seminaries. He lives with his wife and four daughters in a suburb of Washington, D.C. and is an elder at Chevrolet Baptist Church. So Jonathan, thanks for joining us today on All Things. Thank you, Jen. Glad to be here. Really good to have you. So I wanted to, for the listeners, wanted to invite Jonathan onto All Things to talk about authority. Um, Jonathan has a new book out that's called Authority, and the subtitle is How Godly Rule Protects the Vulnerable, Strengthens Communities, and Promotes Human Flourishing. And the reason I felt like authority was a really useful topic for us to dive into in All Things is that it's really an underlying thread, something that is threaded through all of our current events and cultural trends. So on All Things, we talk about politics and government. We talk about things like Christian nationalism, um, immigration, issues in the American church, issues in the global church schooling, parenting. I mean, we cover a lot. Um, and what the listener may not realize is that authority is threaded throughout. We may not be immediately aware that that topic relates to authority, but it really does. And our idea of authority and our willingness to acknowledge authority. So to get us started, I think off on the right foot, Jonathan, would you please define authority for us? Yeah, sure. Uh, and again, thank you, Jen, for having me on. Uh, you're absolutely right in everything you're saying. It, it, it does flow through all of those issues, right? And that's why it's important to kind of get a beat on it and figure, okay, what exactly is it? And is it a good thing? Is it a dangerous thing? What kind of thing is it, right? Uh, I, I find it's helpful to distinguish it from power in order to understand what it is. So if, if you think about power, you know, power is the ability or capacity to do something. Uh, the power to pick up a boulder or solve a math problem or fix a leaky faucet, right? I have the power or I don't have the power to do such things. Authority, on the other hand, is the moral right or the license to make decisions with that power, to exercise power. You could say authority is an authorization to do something. Uh, what's more, to have authority, someone must authorize you to do 
whatever you do. So at age 15, my daughter had the power to drive a car. She could do it, but she couldn't do it legally. She hadn't been authorized. She didn't have have a a license, a driver's license. And then at age 16, she passed the the test given by the Maryland Department of Motor Vehicles, and she was then licensed or authorized or had the authority to drive a car on public roads. So bottom line, it's the moral right or it's a licensed exercise uh, power. Okay. Yeah, that's really, that's helpful. You say that authority is good and dangerous. So unpack that for us. Why is it good and why is it dangerous? Yeah, I, I think if, if, if you look to your own experience, you probably know that. And certainly if you look to the Bible, uh, we, we all uh, uh, can see that, I think, as well. So think about authority in creation and authority in redemption. They're good, right? They're, they're, they're life-giving. Authority authors life. It creates life. It creates growth, right? God as creator is God as ruler, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, good authority authors life just like the word itself, I would say. And, and it works not just from the top down, but from the from the bottom up. So what does God do? God says, I'm your rock. Uh, let me be the platform on which you build your life. I'll supply you. I'll fund you. I'll resource you. I'll guide you. As you go out into creation and and are fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth, right? So God uses his authority for our good. Um, I I think of those beautiful words of David. Uh, These are the last words of David. Say 2 Samuel. I'm flipping there really quick. 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23, uh, verse 1 says, these are the last words of David. And then here here are those words. He says, the one who rules the people with justice, who rules in the fear of God, is like the morning light when the sun rises on a cloudless morning, is like the rain that glistens upon the grass. Okay, so the person ruling in the fear of God is like the sun coming down and the rain coming down, nourishing this this field of vibrant green and if you've ever had a good parent, a good coach, a good teacher, you know that, right? Uh, people love good, oh man, I want to be on that coach's team, right? I want to be in that teacher's classroom. You know, we say to each other because we know that. So authority and creation and redemption are good and life-giving. And, th- and that's what I think, as much as anything, we as Christians need to recover is a vision of good authority. But at the same time, you also have authority in the fall. And authority in the fall, of course, is abusive, dangerous, um, uh, innervating, extinguishing, uh, killing, oppressive. It, 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 it sucks dry. It dehumanizes. Uh, it, it, it's all of those things. And, and we're rightly scared of it, right? So there's a sense in which uh, authority in the world today, there, there's both good versions and there's bad versions. Uh, think of Pharaoh at the time of Joseph, seems to be good, versus Pharaoh at the time of Moses, terrible, right? And I think we as Christians need to always keep both eyes open, one eye to good authority and looking to affirm it, encourage it, and celebrate it, and strengthen it. And how can we train our children to exercise authority well and our our fellow church members to exercise authority well? But simultaneously, we have to keep one eye on bad authority, warning against it and its abuses and so forth. And just as I was thinking about this topic, Locke, I, I noticed that these days there's a lot of books on bad authority, uh, and that's important. I don't want to dismiss the significance of that. We've got to talk about that. But there weren't many books on good authority. And so I, I, I tried to do a book that 
uh, captures both. Yeah. Well, I think it's honestly kind of a brave endeavor in this moment because authority really does seem like um, sort of forbidden. We we want to throw off authority at every angle, whether it's um, our parents or our churches yeah, or right. our government. It, it feels like authority is bad. And so even pondering and writing a book about what is what does good authority look like, well, um, I think is really helpful for the conversation. Well, I, I mentioned you beforehand this 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 other book that I've, I've that's come to my attention that's that's about to come out in a few days by by a woman who who arguably suffered under bad forms of authority. I, I don't know the whole story, and and I, I don't really want to declare on that. But but he, she she says this in her book, she says, any system that enables men to hold authority over women and husbands over wives is unreasonable and outdated. The practice robs a woman of full personhood. Okay, so being under authority robs a woman of her full person. Her right to self-ownership and self-government are at best undermined. The fullness of her identity is denied. And the potential for her further suffering is compounded by a culture that glorifies suffering. So I just think think through some of those sentences there. The yeah. practice robs a woman of full personhood. Her right to self-ownership and self-government are at best undermined. Notice there's, there's a picture of human flourishing there mm-hmm. that despises any concept of authority. For me to become fully, truly me, I need to get out from any authority over me. Right, any certain permanent structures. And again, I get why she says that. Just look around at how many pastors and husbands and so forth have exercised their authority. We have to talk about that. At the same time as Christians, when you look in the Bible and he says to Adam and Eve, I have crowned you with glory and honor, right? Psalm 8. And that's commenting on mm-hmm. Genesis 1. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. You and I, Jen, were created to rule. That's why he created us. And not only that, he also created us to be under his authority and under other authorities that God has given us. And it says we submit ourselves to other authorities that we learn to rule. Submission, we'll talk about this, I assume, a little bit later, but but I'm getting ahead of myself, sorry. Uh, but but it's in submission that we, we, we learn to rule. We learn to exercise authority. So I, I don't think submission to authority is necessarily oppressive, though it can be. It might also be the path to growth, right? Yeah. So as I, I listen to stories like this woman's, I think, oh, you got half the picture. There's more to that picture there. I could keep going, as, as yeah. you can tell. No, I appreciate that. And I, I, I love that we're just jumping into the deep end of some of the issues that I know um, are more personal to myself and my listeners. Um, what I hear you saying that she wrote is that we cannot be fully persons. We cannot you know, fully realize who we are if we have any authority. Over us. And over us. Right. Correct. Over us. Sorry. Um, but then I also hear you saying, well, actually, we were all created to be an authority. We were all created to rule in some way, and we were all created to be under the authority of God and those that he would place in authority over us. Um, There's this quote by Tim Keller that I think is really helpful. It's, the root idea of modernity is the overturning of all authority outside of the self. Um, We live in the age of self. How, How can we process this, Jonathan? How do we how do I deal with my flesh that does want to be my own authority? Yeah. And yet as a Christian, hold fast to the word. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's certainly right. And the entire enlightenment project is, is about 
yeah. overturning authority. And, 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 and why did the Enlightenment come along and, and cast off the authority of the king, the authority of the church, the authority of the pastor, the authority of dad, mom, and grandma and grandpa, and the authority of science, and the authority of philosophy, and the authority of language, and finally even the authority of gender? Right? Why did it do that? Well, because people looked out and they saw real oppressions, right? They saw real damages done by, by the king, by the church, by the grandparent, by the, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, our entire world ever since, I mean, I, the, the contest authority began in, in the Garden of Eden. What the Enlightenment did was, was give philosophical respectability to that contest, right? Well, how do, how do we as Christians come to understand it? Well, I, I think we, by looking to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Sunday school answer. Look to Jesus. Uh, okay, think about Jesus. Who, uh, uh, first of all, he said, I, "I came not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me." I, I speak not my own words, but the words of the One who sent me. I, I only do what He sent me to do. Jesus, the incarnate Son, submits Himself perfectly to the authority of God, and in so doing, wins all authority in heaven and on earth. Uh, one philosopher, Oliver Donovan, put it like this: "To be in authority, you must be under authority. To be under it is to be in it." So, as a Christian, what I'm doing is I'm looking to Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, in, in doing that, he was ruling. He th- think about the life of Jesus. Every step of the way, he kind of called the shots, right? To the disciples, go here do that. Even his mom comes along and says, oh, you got to make more wine. He's like, hold on, right? Not, not, not until the appointed time. So there's a sense in which every step of the way, you know, we call Jesus the example of servant leadership. Well, it's true, but he was leading. Uh, but how was he doing? He was doing it by giving himself, spinning himself entirely for the sake of others and for the good of others and under the authority of God. What's, you know, rule number one of good authority? Good authority is under authority at all times, mm-hmm. right? Good authority is under authority. Don't ever make somebody a, a, a leader if they don't know how to submit and follow, ever. Don't, don't make a man a pastor if he doesn't know how to submit to other pastors of the congregation. And uh, so how to, again, how, back to your question, how do, how do we do this as Christians? Well, number one, we, we learn from the world and it's, it's, it's um, it critiques of bad and abuse of authority and oppression. But at the same time, we look to Christ and how he used his authority and we follow him in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is really helpful. I mean, maybe it is a Sunday school answer, but I don't know how else to do it because it is so difficult, I think, to parse out the feelings that we feel when bad authority is upon us or bad authority hurts somebody that we love or even bad authority hurts somebody who's a great distance from us. Um, What we feel in response to that is we should throw off all authority. Yeah. What what are the things? Can I ask you a question? You, you, yeah, you've been in a number of ministry contexts. You've been in Japan. You've been mm-hmm. in, um, mm-hmm. what did you say, a Czech Republic and now in Denver as a pastor's right. wife. Uh, presumably you've seen good and bad examples of authority. What, what are your reflections on everything so far? That's that we've talked no, about so absolutely. Far. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, as a, I've been in women's ministry now for over two decades. And so, of course, a, a large part of what I do is I spend time counseling and discipling women. Um, and so I have 100% spent time with women who have been under the bad authority of their husbands um, or their parents um, or a workplace environment or or their church as well. Yeah, exactly. They're pastors, elders, leaders in their church. And so 
you know, for, for myself, a woman who I have four daughters, I, I champion women. I love women. I want to see them grow into, you know, the fullness that God has for them. I feel my own heart, you know, pulled apart at times, um, where in my flesh, I too, a reflex that I have would be to rebel against authority or to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I resonate with that when I see terrible pain. Um, And at the same time, I fully believe that the Lord God authored us in such a way, you know, by his authority and authority that he grants us. The biblical authority is good. And so where where the rubber hits the road for me is so often wanting to walk with someone through the the shrapnel of bad authority while reminding them and exhorting them and encouraging them to see God's good authority and the good authorities he's placed with them. So okay, Jill, I we, do think this is so relevant to our conversations in, in every aspect of church and life. <laughs> we both have four daughters. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, you, you want them to marry maybe one of them or two of them already. I don't know. But uh, we want them to marry godly men, right? So yes. what, what do you say to your daughters about the kind of men in, in, this, in this whole category about mm. what kind of man character-wise they should be looking for that you can trust he'll exercise his authority in the home or in the workplace or in the church well? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, something I find myself often saying is marry a man who loves Jesus more than he loves you and loves himself. Okay. He loves Christ overall. Yep. Marry yep. that kind of guy. Yep. For real. <laughs> so look to Jesus is a great answer. Let's look to Jesus <laughs> for what, you know, what does a th- good authority look like? Um, tell us more about what good authority looks like. What are, you know, there's a section in the book, how does good authority work? Five principles. Tell us more about that. So we know what to look for. Yeah. The, the first one, as I said, was, uh, is, is good authority is always under authority. It needs to be under and mm-hmm. understand it's yeah. accountable to authority. So, you know, here's a quick story. Uh, a, a pastor called me and um, a woman in his church had slammed her 14 year old insolent daughter against the fireplace daughter was given lip, you know, mom gets mad, kind of shoves her into the fireplace, like grabs her by the shoulder and does. And, and the girl, the 14 year old runs out of the house and runs down to an, another church members and they call and they call the pastors and so forth. Now he was calling me. He's like, what do I do? And we talked about a number of things. And like, you know, do you call CPS? The girl, the girl was fine. She was just a little traumatized by the incident. For sure. And, you know, question, do we call CPS? What, what do we do? And I, I said I said a number of things, but I think the most significant thing I, I think the hope, helpful thing I said was, what that daughter needs to see in her mom, uh, in order to learn to trust her mom again, and her mom's authority is not just an apology. I'm sorry I did that. Though certainly that's essential. What she also needs to see is her mother submit to authority yeah. placed over her, mm. the pastor's authority. If it was decided to call CPS, I don't recall that authority. So his, mom, his daughter, who's been hurt, sees mom submit to authority. Ah, okay, maybe maybe I can mm-hmm. I can trust this again. So, so yeah, rule number one: good authority is always under authority. In the same way, we we won't make a man an elder in our church unless he submits to the elder other elders or to the other yeah. other other to the congregation as a whole. Uh, the second the second thing I highlighted was that. Um, uh, I wrote it down somewhere. You know, 
Oh, it doesn't steal life. It doesn't life. steal life. It creates, it creates life. It. We've already talked about that yeah. some. some but but yes. I look, four daughters, what, what is my goal in life? It, it, it's to, and in my marriage. What is what is mm. what has God given me authority in marriage and, and parenting for? Is it not to strengthen them? Is it not to make them better and holier and smarter mm. and you know? Eh, eh, now, those are different forms of authority. I don't mean to conflate the husband of a husband's authority and a, and a father's. Those are different kinds of authority, and those, that's worth exploring. Uh, very very different th- things involved, but in both cases, I I'm to like sacrifice myself for their good. Mm-hmm. That is the goal. Mm-hmm. So one, one small example here, I remember I was sitting in a, in a chair in our, in our sunroom and uh, my, my nine-year-old across the room and she was sitting in her chair and I said, Hey, Sophie, sweetheart, will you go get me something to drink? And um, because she's nine and she still is very agreeable, I knew she'd be happy to go up and get it. And when she did that, it occurred to me, I was, as it were, pushing the costs of getting out of the chair downward under her rather than pulling the cops costs upward into myself. Mm-hmm. Now I might've had good reasons to ask her to get it further and teaching me to respect or teaching her to respect. There might've been good reasons, but I, I knew in my heart, my goal in that moment was to avoid the costs. That was a bad use of authority. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would, I would, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, a few other things. I say it's not unteachable. It seeks wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, Proverbs is all about that. Uh, number four, I would say it's not permissive on the one hand. It's not authoritarian on the other hand. Two ditches on different sides of the road. It administers discipline. And fifth and finally, I say it's not self-protective, but bears the costs, which I was kind of already talking mm-hmm. about uh, a moment ago. So th- those are certain principles. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, something I discuss in the book, though, is I can give you good principles or somebody can give you good principles for what good authority is. But unless you are approaching it through the gospel, understanding that you're a, a sinner who by date, by definition will misuse and selfishly abuse authority apart from the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by nature, I will do that. We all will do that. And if, if, if you don't know that you're going to use what authority God's given you for your own selfish ends. Uh, even even in common grace, you're going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So, in a sense, the very first step in all of this, I think, has to be repentance and faith, in putting our trust in Christ, letting Him cover us, uh, provide that affirmation, so that we can then are free to serve others in our exercises of authority. Yeah, I think that's really helpful, and you you speak to that really early in the book. <laughs> I think maybe in the introduction or somewhere, like you right away say that we are all going to misuse our authority, and that we have to be willing immediately to acknowledge that we too have abused authority, um, even as we've seen it abused or we've been abused by authority. And yeah. I appreciate you leading with that because that's hard. Well, writing a book on authority to me, it felt a little bit like writing a book on humility. Like who would want to do that? Right. Like, yeah. look at me. <laughs> Here's humility. And with authority, I, I felt the same way because I, you know, Jen, I can't say I've always used it well daily. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm selfish. Right. right? And so I felt like it was crucial for me just to acknowledge that and, and say, look, I'm, in some ways I'm writing better than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, unless you're Jesus, I do think that's all of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It can be convicting to put pen to paper. <laughs> I understand. I know that feeling of like, why am I writing this when I have clearly so far to go? Yeah. No doubt. Um, as we're speaking, you know, just 
some some people or contexts are coming to my mind. Um, a, a lot of my audience, many of them are moms, um, and I, you know, I'm in the trenches with younger moms as they're trying to disciple and raise up their children. How do we as parents help our children cultivate a value for authority? Um, and maybe that's even we could extend that to the workplace or to the church or in general. But how do we cultivate amongst us? Um, a, a value for it? How do we help each other see it as a good thing? Yeah. Number one, I mean, we talk about it from the Bible. Number two, I think we exercise it with love and grace and kindness, right? Um, mm. So there's um, these these uh, Instagram reels going around. My 17-year-old daughter told me about this. I haven't seen it myself. She's like, dad, there's this, there's this dad who gets on this Instagram reel and he talks about how one thing I'm never going to do with my god daughters is tell them not to wear these clothes or not to listen to this music. Or he kind of goes through all the things, all the places a father might want to set boundaries for his teenage daughters. And he kind of brags about the fact that he doesn't do any of that because he treats his daughters a complete equal. My daughter was just like, oh my goodness, that's pathetic. Uh, number <laughs> two, doesn't he realize what kind of narcissists he's creating? And doing that. Uh, what, what does authority do? Authority says, you know, you're not the only person in this world around. and You actually have to submit to more people and bigger structures and values than just you, right? Mm-hmm. And so what does a, what is a, thor- a generation that doesn't believe in authority uh, uh, become? It becomes a, a generation of narcissists, right? People who are entitled to feel like they want to do whatever they want to do. And so, so we do need to exercise authority with our children, but we, and, 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 but we do so. Uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things I talk about, as you may recall, Jen, is I talk about transcendence and eminence throughout the book. You know, a transcendence, you're kind of, God is over us, but eminence, God is with us. And there's a sense in which when you're exercising authority, you're always trying to balance those two things in a way that's appropriate to the the nature of the relationship. So a, g- a general over, you know, soldiers, high transcendence. It doesn't matter if you're with them or not. She's like, you guys got to go storm this field, right? High transcendence. Whereas, say, at the other end of the spectrum, I would say a husband with a wife, just, you know, it's maximal imminence, right? And and, and a very little uh, a transcendence. Okay, now think about the child. There's a sense with a child when, when they're three, you're kind of high transcendence. Go to, go to bed. Well, why? Well, because you're three and because I said. It's just I don't need to explain this to you. You just need to obey me. But as, as our kids move into teenage years, uh, you, you're leaning more and more into relationship, more and more into imminence. So instead of saying you must do this, you're, you're, maybe you're asking a question. You're having a conversation. You're, you're trying to help them understand why. You're letting them explore some things and give their opinion and working through it with them. You're building a relationship with them. Um more and more, frankly, you're, you're starting to treat them as equals because you're trying to equip them to be, as it were, your equal. That's what a good authority does. It kind of raises people up into itself. That's, isn't that what God does with us? Remarkably. Yeah. So yeah. what do I want my four daughters to, 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 to see in me? I, I want them to see me exercising authority and setting boundaries. This is a wise way. This is an unwise way. But I also want them to experience relationship with me eminence with me so last night oh, i wanted to go to bed 10 o'clock i'm an old man I'm like mm, i need to go plop down on the couch that's in emma's bedroom and just like hey how you doing what's going on and just spend time with her 
and build that relationship. And I did the same thing the night before, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, oh, how precious and wonderful that is, right? To, to, to get to enjoy yeah. that with your teenagers. So, yeah. Yeah, I just for the, all the the parents out there or any kind of authority, I, I couldn't agree more with what you've said, especially especially for moms. You know, we those who are in the trenches doing the hard work of uh, you know, practicing authority and disciplining yeah. and discipling their young ones. I think many feel. I mean, I can think of texts I received today from women saying, "Are you sure? Is this worth it? I'm exhausted. I don't think oh, this yeah. is working." Oh, yeah. <laughs> and where you and I are at, you know, in the later years of parenting is we see that God, you know, there's not a formula, but the Lord has been yeah. kind to be an authority through our authority and to draw our children to himself. And so from where I'm sitting, I can say, yes, it is worth it because oh, now I so have, true. I have daughters who, um, you know, who I love to be with. I like to plop down on that couch and be with them, yeah, that's right. but they also are women who love authority and are willing to be under it, but also know what good authority looks like. And what grace. So was like it, was it easier so for words. you or your husband as they got older, as they moved into those teenage mm. years, was it easier for you or your husband to sort of start backing off a little bit in some ways? Mm -hmm. uh, did you, yeah. how, how did you, I assume you and your husband maybe had to help each other, remind each other. For sure. I mean, we we're, we're forever giving each other that look <laughs> across the room. <laughs> What, and, you know, the look can mean a number of things, uh -huh. but you usually know what the look means in the given context. Um, you know, my husband and I, interestingly, we're both first generation believers. And so we have had to sit at the feet of so many mentors and learn what it looks like to be a parent who is transcendent and imminent, who has authority, but also, you know, models grace and togetherness with our kids. Yeah. So I think we've kind of taken turns for, you know, who's who's having an easier time with it or who's, who's getting the formula just right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh Lord. It's not a formula, well, but we, and, the one, and it, it changes just as soon as you figure it out totally one stage, changes. they're on to the next. Yeah. That's so true. You know, so true. You have to take, stay connected to the Lord and ask him for wisdom, Amen. which he gives right freely. Yeah. Oh man. Well, Jonathan, we have to cut this off now because we're already at a half hour. I feel like I could talk forever about other areas of authority. Um, I hope the listeners grab the book though, because as you say, we have spent a lot of time focusing on bad authority, mm -hmm. but authority itself is not bad. And there is a godly um, example and our God is a good authority. So I'll be linking the book in the show notes, but any, any parting words, any sort of, I don't know, I think maybe encouragement, gospel encouragement that you could leave our listeners with when it comes to authority. Yeah, sure. Just as a, let me piggyback on the last thing you said there, the solution to bad authority is not no authority, but good authority. Mm -hmm. Say it again. The solution to bad authority is not no authority, but good authority. So the question yeah. we all have to ask ourselves is, do you know what good authority is? Have you studied that? Mm -hmm. And if so, um, um, are you exercising it? Are you practicing it? Whether you're, you're, you're a manager in the workplace, you're a mom in the home, mm -hmm. you're a, you know, elected office official, you're, you're a leader in the church. Do you know what good authority is and are you practicing it? And then the last, the last, last thing I would say is going back to that, that quote from David's last words, again, uh, how he begins it is, is by saying, when one rules in the fear of God, the, the path to good authority is only mm -hmm. in, in the fear of God. So do you have a big God or do you have a little God? Do you have a mighty, 
powerful, gracious God? Or do you have a harsh, severe God or a weak God? You tell me about your view of God, and I can tell you how you probably exercise authority or don't exercise Mm -hmm. authority. So in many ways, it starts right there. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for your time and for the listeners. Be sure to check out the show notes for more on this particular topic. But yeah, thank you, Jonathan Lehman. Thank you, Jen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to All Things, where we look at current events and cultural trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.